I'm Full-On Gamer, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, flagship of the D20 Radio Network, because I'm too busy trying to download all the other podcasts on the network. Small but vicious, roll for initiative, radio free homelet, game on, minus world, Brucey gamers. Meanwhile, the super gaming podcast, HP Podcraft, City of Doors, Minis Mayhem, the Power Source, the Holocron, Trico Cast, the one and only cast of Geekapalooza, and, hmm, oh, yeah, what was that other one? Even old dusty recordings of Cinematic Attic. Catch you around the Gamer Nation. Hello, Gamer Nation. This is Old School. And my resolution for this year is that I will never listen to the Order 66 podcast. This is Brian. And Jake. We're from the I Can't Hear You podcast. It's a, you know, podcast where we disagree and talk about things. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, we just agreed. Shoot. I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. No, yeah you do. No I don't. Yeah, it's on your iTunes, I've seen it. No it's not. This is why I don't like working with you. It's a concept, think big picture. You you big picture never listen to the Order 66 podcast. That's right. <sighs> okay, we never listen to the Order 66 podcast in Very a good. big picture sort of sense. Very good. This is Jared Glenn from The Power Source, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. No, really. What is this Order 66 podcast anyway? Hey! Hey, why'd you want me to say that? Huh. Star Wars nerds. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Execute Order 66. This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you by our sponsors, GoDaddy.com and Audible.com. Well, here it is, January the 10th, 2010, and you're back for episode number 92 of the Order 66 podcast in a brand new year, brand new everything. I'm GM Dave, and we will introduce the assorted, what? I don't know. Never mind. GM Chris, what's up? (laughs) What is up, Gamer Nation? It is I, GM Chris, and I am I am back, and I am I am no longer sick, which is a good thing. Yeah, I was I was pretty uh, I was pretty funky there for a while. My voice was pretty um, like like non-recognizable, non-hearable. Yep. So. And uh, speaking of people who fake it, TG. <laughs> All the time, Dave. <laughs> All of the time. You just insulted me twice, man. <laughs> twice. That was a double <laughs> insult in one go. That's a record even for you, Dude. That's but awesome. didn't mean it. I, I, oh. I, I, I didn't. do it for the joy and love of my husband is to make him feel good. Of course. It's only yeah. because I love you, honey. Yeah, I've stopped caring. <laughs> <for> you, <so. laughs> Well, for those of you who have stumbled into this uh, pantheon of the absurd for the uh, for the first time, we apologize because you have now come to worship at the altar of the Order sixty six podcast, the only podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role playing. And um, we've got a we've got a 
decent show for you lined up tonight. You know, I always say that, but I, you know, one of these weeks I'm going to say like, now guys, we got a show lined up for you tonight. It's not going to be very good, okay? Some of the things you're going to hear are going to be interesting, but not everything. So just deal with it. One of these weeks I'm going to say that, yeah. but not 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 this week. This will be the worst no, show ever. You, you'll never say that. I might say that, but you're not going <laughs> to say that. Why won't I say that? Because you're. That's just you're too pessim- too optimistic. I don't know. Pessimistic, optimistic. You, no, because you're 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 Andrew Zimmern. Everything is the best. That hot dog you ate for dinner tonight. Oh my god, this was the best hot dog. Oh my god, this is the best episode we've ever done. I didn't have a week. hot dog for dinner. Jeez. Oh, See? See that? He, I'm trying to make a point, and he just ruins it by focusing on the non-important parts, right, Dave? Well, yeah, and l- why don't I tell you what? Why don't we go ahead and focus on the important parts? Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisitions. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. Okay, so uh, I'm going to pessimistically, optimistically, um, or be yeah, optimistic uh, pessimist. I'm not sure which now, but mm. yeah. Mm. So, so, any- so the half full cup is half empty. Yeah, the half full cup is pretty much damn empty. It's it's damn near out. But uh, yeah. what what I do know is that uh, uh, a huge cat uh, it, it was let out of the bag on the power source. There was a cat let out of the bag. Well, not really. I mean, just it was a big dog on the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, so our, our featured podcast this week um, is from the Power Source. Now, they actually released episode 13 recently, but that's not actually the episode that we wanted to pimp out. Um, we wanted to pimp out episode 12, which was released when I was, I was very sick. Um, episode 12, Hate in a Good Way, uh, was released last week uh, with Jared welcoming co-host and uh, all-around cool guy. None other than Dave Noonan, a brilliant designer of a great deal of fourth edition D&D and some of the most beautiful and creative books for 3.5, in my opinion. Uh, Dave brings his design expertise and his good advice to this episode. And Jared and Dave, they jaw the line for a while. They talk about the plane below, um, some vile coolness for Underdark campaigns, and the new art in class. And this is a great episode for any fan of D&D of any edition, quite frankly. Um, once again, a, a excellent podcast, excellent job, and we just wanted to pimp it out. If you guys haven't heard that sep- this episode yet, you should definitely give it a listen. Yeah. So, TG, if they want to listen to this episode and others, where might they do this? iTunes. There you that, go. That is, that is a possibility, yes, yes. Yeah. That is a possibility, yeah. yes. Um, could they go to our website? Magneto Hydro Propulsion. Yeah. What is the website? I what is something like D twenty order sixty six or something? Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's been a while. I'm a little out of the game, you know. Mm. I haven't the site in a while. I don't remember the URL. Let's see. It's d twenty radio dot com. Ah yes, what? difficult to remember. Yeah, yeah. But easy well, to master. Sometimes. Mm, yes, indeed. So yeah, check it out. We have some convention madness. Mm-hmm. Convention madness! Ah! 
Are you mad at the conventions? Because I don't see why you would be. No, no, no. no. Madness is an insanity. Like when you're holed up at a gaming table for 17 hours straight without food or water, and you know you start to get like this cousin of of uh, you know um, kind of a mixture of, of sort of gangrene and and you know. Yeah, you get a Scur- bl- scurvy. Yeah. You know, it's kind of this. Well, that's why you get a wife to tell you that you stink, and then to bring you food and water. Yes, but not not all gamers have wives. Yeah, and uh, uh, even some that do, maybe some some of their wives stink. So you know, uh, just happens. <laughs> oh, well, Dave, what's what's coming down the pike in terms of, of upcoming conventions? All right, so we got CindyCon 2010, which is this February 12th through 15th. So it's only about a month away. And it is one of the cooler gaming conventions. This takes place in Washington, D.C., guys. Correct. So we've got Lots LARPing, we've got Pathfinder, Mini, Seminar, uh, board games, um, uh, of course, SWSE in the house. Alpha Ant will be running a few fe- a few sessions of Saga uh, right there. So if you guys are there on the East Coast, and uh, it's, it's way too much fun to, to pass up. So... Check it out at uh, www.syndicon.net, and that's S-Y-N-D-C-O-N.net. Nice. Well, I'm, I'm kind of excited about ScorchCon 2010 because I'm a fan of college cons. Uh, but for those that are hard up and they're living in the frozen north right now and you want to get your game on but you can't because your snowmobile only holds so much gas, um, Minnesota State University at Moorhead. Which is like that's like right there where Minnesota meets South Dakota. Um, uh, it's oh. the home of ScorchCon, which is an ironic name. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> this March sixth through seventh, so about a month and a half away. Um, this is a smaller con, but it, it's got the promise. It's a good anime and gaming fun. And D Twenty Radio's own Cyril will be there throwing down some Saga edition. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you guys Dude. check it out, man. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yep. And uh, I believe, for those of us that have been watching our Amazon uh, wish list for some time, there is a, uh, a juicy bit of bookshelf goodness on the horizon. Nine days from today. Nine days from today. TG, are you excited? Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> that sounded really excited. That sounded like... You sound so enthused! Wow. I think I'm supposed to be excited, but I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've decided that, TG, you are the embodiment of A-P-A-T-H-Y, apathy, apathy <laughs> is our cry. Well, you know. So what? TG, you, you should be excited cares? because January 19th is the release date for Galaxy of Intrigue. Okay. We'll make your noble even better. Okay, so it's a noble book. We think so, yes. You you think so? Why do you? Well, that's, think well, that's what they've that's what they've said. That's what it they've is, said, but, but we just don't they? know. Who's they? Who's they? Rodney, last show. Where? Oh, yeah. You should listen. I don't. I don't listen to these shows, guys. I don't know why y'all think I do, but oh I don't. <laughs> uh huh. Well, for those yeah. of you who do listen to these shows, and I guess those of you who never listen to these shows, uh, you should head out to your. FLGS or the interwebs now because your imperial masters demand that you reserve a copy of this up and coming book. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. And for your listening pleasure, we have this. This is a Holonet news update. 
I'm Luke Lobrow. Retired Naboo Senator Jar Jar Binks has been rushed to a medical frigate with life-threatening injuries. Former Senator Binks was attacked in broad daylight by a violent gang of blue alien humanoids standing over three meters tall with long prehensile tails and pointy ears. Allegedly, they are called Navi from the planet Pandora. In response to the permanent damage done to Jar Jar, Imperial authorities seek the whereabouts of these aliens to present them with a medal of commendation, a cash prize, and a coupon book for the Jawa Juice Cabana that can be used in locations at all major ports along the Perlimian trade route. In other news, Imperial law enforcement officers have arrested a large group of Clone Wars reenactors on the planet Geonosis while attempting to depict the opening battle of the Clone Wars. Reenactors wearing Jedi clothing and making womp womp noises with their plastic lightsabers have been taken into custody as suspected practitioners of the Jedi cult. Geonosian authorities say they will now have to cancel a planned 27,000-acre Clone Wars-themed amusement park, catering to the reenactor market, which was planned to contain four adventure parks, two water parks, 24 themed hotels, and numerous shopping, dining, entertainment, and recreation venues. In other news, rebel terrorist, war criminal, and former clone trooper officer Commander Cody attempted to destroy a public transport shuttle to the ELOM system by lighting his underwear on fire. His attack was thwarted when he was wrestled to the ground by an elderly woman and her pet Kowakian monkey lizard named Salacious Cumberbun. Cody escaped the transport ship by deceiving his captors into believing that an escape pod hatch was a door to one of the ship's restrooms and that he needed to make the poo-poos really, really bad. In response, the Imperial Transportation Safety Administration is now mandating that all escape pods post a sign on the door in boldface type that says, Not a restroom. Tonight's update is brought to you by Admiral Thrawn's Sun Bluing Lotion. When you need to get that perfect shade of cobalt blue before your day at the beach, try Admiral Thrawn's Sun Bluing Lotion, now available on the planet Pandora. This update is also brought to you by Tabana Gas X. Tabana Gas X understands that when you suffer from the pressure and bloating caused from Tabana Gas, it can be uncomfortable. What's even more frustrating is that it can consume your mind, distracting you from what you're doing making you feel helpless. That's why you need Tabana Gas X, the trusted relief you expect from the leaders in Tabana Gas Relief. Oh my god. I can hear you cackling from in here. As usual. That was hilarious. The guy doesn't disappoint. Oh, no he doesn't. Yep. Now I'm a little concerned about Jar Jar because I still haven't gotten his blood sample. Uh, apparently simple. he got he got beat up. Oh. So, well, I, I guess if they took him, they, if he he said he took him to emergency room, right? Ah, uh, you so could get one. Have... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because well, I have something actually kind of serious I need to talk to y'all about. Um, and okay. and this is not a joke, and this is not a bit. I I received a letter <laughs> in the mail this week, and With. I'm showing it on the webcam right now so they all can see it. With no return address, I might add. It it has no return address whatsoever at all. Um, and the, uh, the, it is addressed to Imperial Citizen GM, uh, Christopher Witt, uh, six, five. Yeah. My address. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just showed it on the video. If anybody, wants well, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I trust anybody there. Um, 
uh, let's see, uh, USA, North America, Earth, Soul System. And it was a letter. <clears throat> it, is hand, it is typed and hand-signed. And it reads, and this is very important, the two of you need to listen to this. Um, Imperial Citizen GM Chris, in these times of political unrest, the Empire wants to ensure the safety of all our citizens. Therefore, it is of the utmost importance we address all accusations towards any and all of our citizenry in a timely manner. It is our understanding that you and a Commander Cody have been sharing correspondence in the form of quote-unquote postcards over the past two standard galactic years. In this correspondence, he has shared with you and your quote-unquote partner, GM Dave, several of the Empire's more delicate operations. In those communiques, Cody has divulged specific details, including, but not limited to, the exact sites of said operations, including system and metropolis names, high-ranking government personnel movements, top-secret research equipment locations, and mission monikers. Um... It is my duty as the local Imperial Security Officer to inform you that it is not proper procedure for Cody to disclose to anyone outside the Imperial Military Personnel Classification information, and by doing so, he can, has committed an act of treason against the Empire. Unfortunately, you, good citizen, I'm assuming he means me, by sharing these postcards on your weekly podcast have also violated several Imperial information protocols and have put yourself, your partner, your spouse, one Twi'let goodness, and any current subscribers to your program in immediate danger of having charges of sedition levied against them. There is a way I can help you, but it requires your immediate assistance. We intercepted several communications from who we believe is the former Commander Cody while he was located at the wheel in the Besh Gorgon system. However, our investigation has proven unsuccessful. GM Chris, the ISB is requesting your assistance in the apprehension of this traitor to the Empire. First, we need any and all communications with Cody to be forwarded to your local ISB office in the Sol system, located in the largest moon of the planet known as Saturn. Second, you are ordered to relinquish any information forthwith on the location of Cody, or any of the individuals known as the quote-unquote Rebel Alliance. Failure to comply with either of the above requests or any further public performance of Cody's postcards will be seen as an act of sedition, and you and your co-hosts will be considered traitors to his high and majestic Emperor Palpatine. It is in your best interest to comply. Long live the Empire. Signed, Lieutenant Garrick Tremainer, Imperial Security Officer, Second Class. Now, yeah. I was a bit bemused by this, lady and gent, uh, because, you know, obviously, I had stopped broadcasting this traitor scumbag's postcard some time ago. And so, out of curiosity, I went back and listened to the last few episodes of the podcast, and you finks have been, been, been broadcasting Cody without my knowledge. Well, I mean, only a little bit. Which I think is really hilarious. Whoever the listener is that did that, you should have put a return address on there so we could like call you out and or not call you out, but like give you props. Or something. Yeah, or something. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, seriously though, we, we we did not solicit this. This is fantastic. So but okay, but but what's up? What's up? Seriously. I mean, come on now. I guys. Well, I mean, what? we, we haven't... It, it was nothing bad, I mean... Yeah, it's really nothing bad. You know, so, I mean, there's really nothing... Nothing bad? I, I got a letter from the IS... There's nothing to it. Dude! Your phone's oh, ringing. Sorry, 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 sorry. Don't sorry. you know to turn it on silent? Good God. Oh, man. What? Listen, just pause the show. I'll be right back. All right, it better be freaking important. It's, it's my mother. Hang on. All right. Uh, oh, of course, it's his mom. All That's right, like the get... only thing he would pause for. It's just so frustrating. Okay. Well, you know, while I have him off the show, I've got another <laughs> postcard. 
Uh, you hold. did. Uh, yeah, stand by. Okay. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. I'm Dave and TG. Hi guys. The Rebel strike on the Imperial Mining Facilities was a devastating success. My mission to Antel 4 went off without a hitch, and we managed to provide a native uprising while we were at it. It was instrumental in our success. But we're worried. Our ship was attacked leaving orbit. Our fuel cells heavily damaged. Doesn't make sense. It's like they knew when we were leaving. <sighs> Anyways, we've managed to make repairs, but we've lost a lot of fuel. We're traveling through the expansion region, and have decided to risk making our way to the Plin system, and the planet of Mahali. Currently under Imperial control, this strategic world is perfect as a refueling station, and the subservient human and native Hadrachi species are none too happy with the Empire, and we've had rebel cells here for some time. The planet Mahali itself is an odd one, mostly covered in ice and snow as its polar regions are very large, but a windswept band of green fields encircles the equator of this world, this provides ample places for civilization. Aside from the planet's strategic importance, it has large deposits of recently discovered and highly valuable dragite crystals, and the Empire has stepped up its presence here. Though humans have lived here for millennia and are among the Rebellion's biggest supporters, the native Hadrochi are a strange lot. A bipedal camel-like species, they're practitioners of a strange force tradition that lets them see the future. They've mostly stayed out of conflict. The current Imperial Governor of this world, a man named Grigor, we think might be swayed to our cause, and the situation here is a hot one. But frankly, Mormon and I simply want to get there alive and refuel. Wish us luck. If you guys are in the expansion regions, need a place to stop and top off your tank, or stir up some anti-Imperial sentiment, <laughs> stop by Mahaley. Oh, and um, <clears throat> TG, uh, I, I got your holo message, and uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember that party too much, uh, but I can get to a clinic for the blood sample as soon as we're back in a protected system. Anyway, uh, yeah. Later, guys. Long live the Rebellion. Your secret correspondent, Commander Cody. Oh, there there wasn't quite enough time for that postcard. I yeah, think that... I'm back. Uh -huh. You guys played a postcard again? Well, we didn't mean to. It just accidentally fired it, while he, you were gone. Yeah. It just appeared, and he yeah. accidentally hit the button when he fell TG, over. And what was he saying again about the blood blood sample? What? He got a holovid from you? Well, no. Yeah. Eh, no big deal. Why? I thought Vader was I thought Vader was the father. Are you still collecting blood samples? Well, I mean, I've, I've got to get Jar Jar's, and I'm Jar, still Jar, being I, He's a Gungan. That doesn't even work. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know. Maybe. No, I've got to check everything, okay? It was, a, it was a pretty wild party while you were gone, Chris. I haven't checked everybody's blood samples yet, so I don't know. Oh, God. Listen, you guys, please, you can't play any more of these postcards. I got a letter from the ISB. I'm scared out of my mind. I've already, I was going to say, I've already taken the liberty of forwarding every piece well, of information <clears throat> we have and all the postcards to them. I only hope I right. won't get prosecuted. To quote my buddy Han, better you than me. <laughs> hey, I would like to point out this letter denotes that we're all implicated here, pal. Oh, pal. Well, pal. Oh. All right, chief. 
chief. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Y'all can settle this some other time. It's okay. All right. Let, let's let's so. move into the docking bay. D20 docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Ah, yes. We are here in the docking bay where we take the time to uh, answer questions from the Gamer Nation. And I think it's time to bring on our two special guest hosts for the evening, as I, yeah. I would like to seek their wisdom. I think that would be wise, TG, would it not? I think so. I'll I agree think, with that. I think so, too. Well, the first person I would like to, to welcome onto the call is a fellow podcaster of glory and a member of the D20 Radio Network and a major voice over at Brew City Gamers. Sean Wu. What's up, Sean? Hey, guys. How are you guys How you? doing? Very good, man. How are things up in the frozen north? Uh, just like you said, it's frozen. <laughs> mm, I couldn't survive up there. I could I'm guys, not. I'm glad you guys don't have camera in my place right now. I'm just got a blanket wrapped around me right now. <laughs> hey, I'm in Texas, and I have a blanket wrapped around me right now. <laughs> he hasn't uh, turned up the heat yet on you, huh? No, no, it's it's cold, but not not cold like it's cold there. Yeah. And uh, we also want to welcome back to the podcast, uh, D20 Radio Zone, uh, Patrick Stutzman. What's up, Patrick? Uh, not much. Just uh, making it through the day. Yeah, I hear you. How cold is it where you are? <laughs> I think this is the first day we've seen double digits in a week. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's that cold. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, what do you say? You guys want to answer some questions? Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, well our, yeah, our first question comes from Constantine. He posted up a rules question uh, that gave him uh, some tired head, I guess is the best <laughs> way to put it. Okay, so did I miss something? Can you withdraw from a melee fight using the withdraw action and then turn around and shoot the guy you were in melee with? I didn't see anything preventing that. The withdraw action doesn't seem to even really need to be di differentiated from a regular move action, except that it prevents attacks of opportunity. Please tell me I'm wrong. Why would he want to be wrong? Because he is wrong. He's you're, you're wrong. You're wrong, Constantine. You're wrong. <laughs> uh, no, you're not. Uh, you, you've got it right, dude. Almost. Um, the withdraw action, it's a page 153 core rulebook. Uh, it does only only cost you a move action, um, and if you withdraw, you of course don't provoke an attack of opportunity from the foe you withdraw from. But it is different than basically moving, Constantine. First and foremost, withdrawal limits you to half your speed. Secondly, you can't do it at all unless your very first square of movement takes you completely out of a threatened area. So it's not always easy, practical, or even possible to pull off. But I mean, no, it's just a move, so you could still do it. Then turn around and shoot the guy. Yeah, that's totally possible. Um, but Hey, guys, jump in. I'm not sure where his consternation comes from. I mean, you might as well just shoot the guy from where you are because, as, as far as I'm aware, according to the rules, ranged attacks do not provoke attack of opportunity in Saga. So, Unless he wants to gain like a better position, you know, uh, I can't see. Yeah, I can see him just shooting the guy. Otherwise, yeah, if he's trying to get away or trying to find a better position, then that might be a way he's trying to go with it. That's true. Maybe he's a GM, and his, <laughs> his players are using this to... Foul his evil plans. 
<laughs> well, it is it is an easy way to um, foul a, a guy with an NPC with multiple attacks. I know you guys do it to me all the time. You know, if he gets into position, you withdraw. He can't unleash his double attack or triple attack or dual weapon the next round. Yep. Um, so yeah, there 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 is that. I think a real nasty issue with withdraw is the fact that you can withdraw as for a charging monster like like Dave's Wookie who constantly withdraws at the start of a turn and then charges back into the fray with powerful charge dealing bukus of damage every single time. Um, but no, he's, he's got it right. So there you go. Um, that's, that's pretty much your answer, Constantine. Uh, <laughs> I know uh, it's probably not what you're looking for, but again, it's not that big of a deal in terms of, in terms of game constraint. So I, I think, it, I think it rather balances out those melee monsters as a matter of fact. It's just, it's just another option, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so Darth Pseudonym came out of an episode of the Order 66 podcast with a martial arts question. And he says, in the discussion of martial arts on episode 88 of the Order 66 podcast, Cathar came up as a good choice for a species. One reason was stated to be that you deal extra damage with your unarmed strike. I'm doubtful of this claim. The KOTOR book's racial entry on Cathar says a Cathar has natural weapons, which deal 1-6 points of slashing damage with that attack instead of normal unarmed damage. The key here is the last phrase, instead of normal unarmed damage. So, the Cathar naturally has a good unarmed strike, but the first martial arts feat they take simply doesn't increase that. It makes their martial arts as good as their natural weapons, right? Wrong. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, if we're getting down to raw pseudonym, uh, Jedi Master Rodney Thompson himself clarified way back when on our show that the martial arts feat does increase the damage of natural attacks should a character have them. So, so, so no, because Rodney said so. Well, no, think about it. This makes sense. Okay, so if you had a natural attack, if you did, would I mean, would you not learn to incorporate or rely on that if you studied martial arts? I mean, it kind of makes sense, especially if we're talking about a cultural distinction here. If an entire race of creatures, you know, has a natural attack, I mean, and, I, and if I had one and I studied martial arts, I would, I would make that at the forefront, you know? So mar- if they take martial arts, then it just increases their natural attack, right? It increases it up a die, right? So it would go from a die six to now a die eight. That's correct. That's okay. Correct. Cool. And that's, that's pretty much it. question. <laughs> Gosh, I have such a hard time with this guy's name. I don't have a hard time saying it. It's just reading it. So I'm going to go slow on it. <laughs> GM of the Land Down Under. GM of the Land Down Under. That's a long name. Post up his frustrations about a talent and where he said, has anyone seen the Aing Tee monk yeah. talent tree? Does anyone think that, I think he meant to say think there, that the many shades of the force talent is broken, or you typed the wrong thing, Chris. The talent <laughs> allows a PC to choose any force power with a dark or light side descriptor in your force suite. Ooh, this sounds familiar. Ah. That power is no longer considered to have that descriptor for you. So if something's dark side, it no longer is dark side. Has anyone had a PC use this in their game and choose force lightning or something? How can you keep someone from breaking your game with this? Wow. Well, there you go. I know why you chose this. (laughs) Well, because it was asked. But Patrick, you were one of the authors on Jedi Academy, correct? Patrick? Maybe not. Oh, I think he got got dropped. 
I'm going to try and pull him back. Um, well, listen, the thing is, like, and TG, we had, we had a session of our alternate universe game recently, and you you got to see this in action because the 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 Ain T monk talent tree that many shades of the force Brev had that for his level eighteen character, um, and and you saw it used to great effect. And Patrick, are you back with us? I don't think he is. I uh, think so. Uh, can you hear me all right? Yes, we can hear you. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Connection issues. That's cool. Well, listen, we got asked a question, um, uh, and I, I kind of want to throw your way and get your opinion on it because I know you were involved with it. Uh, GM of the Land Down Under wrote in and ha- expressed frustrations about the the Ain T Monk talent tree, specifically many shades of the Force. And he says, you know, that you know where you can select a, either a dark side or light side power and remove the descriptor. And he's like, this is so broken. How can I keep this from breaking my game, basically? And you were one of the authors on Jedi Academy, yes? Yes. So, I mean, are you familiar with the talent? Well. On the NT monks, but I, I write a series of talents uh, for that talent tree. But I think that was one that uh, Rodney added on later. Okay, let me double check that real quick here. So while you're checking it, what do you what do you think about it as far as being unbalancing in the game? Well, let me uh, go ahead and refresh my memory on it here real quick, and I'll give you my opinion on that. <laughs> okay. Because well, we, saw, well, we uh, saw in a game we just played where we had, what were they, 18th level characters, mm-hmm. and um, one of the Jedis had this, and they took Force Lightning three times. So they could Ooh. use it three times in a round without gaining a dark side point whenever and- they use the Force Lightning. And end up encounter then after that probably right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. And well, honestly, though, that was the thing though, and that, that was kind of the, the point I wanted to come to with, with it was it's like, okay, I, I don't know, like like the IT tradition itself. I mean, for those who are who are unaware, and by the way, this talent is on page seventy three of Jedi Academy Training Manual. Um, uh, for those unfamiliar, the, the INT are this strange alien race. They live in isolation. They're found in this weird and isolated part of the galaxy. And they have this unusual force tradition that lets them do really crazy stuff like like this or or bend space on a galactic scale. Um, I don't know. Like, like GM of the Land Down Under, honestly, dude, you're, you, you are the GM of your game. It is your choice to allow a character to access this talent because, quite frankly, it's a it's a force tradition talent. They don't have to be able to take it. They don't get to be able to take it unless they've encountered that tradition. Um, and I think it's rather rare that anyone would encounter the I-N-T. Um, so I think you're perfectly within your rights to tell a player, no, you can't take this, I mean, and still stay within Raw. Uh, that all changes when they get to 14th level and they can access like Jedi Master and uh, Force Disciple and Sith Lord because those prestige classes get access to um, any Force talent, including Force Tradition talents. But by that point, you're 14th freaking level. I mean, Force Lightning without a, without a dark side point is the least of your concerns. I mean, at 14th level, you should be able to do some pretty badass stuff. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's just kind of that's kind of I don't know. It's kind of my thinking on it. But uh, I I don't know. Pa- Patrick, thoughts? Have you able are you able to take a look at the talent? Yeah, I just got done reviewing it. Uh, honestly, you know. Um, I would probably limit it to just one force power in the entire. You cut off there a bit. You said the one force power in the entire. Uh, in the entire character's force suite, just have have that applied to just one force power. Even if they take force lightning three times, have uh, it only applied to one instance of force lightning. That's an excellent suggestion. Um, 
you know, and that way, you know, it's okay, just just this once, it doesn't corrupt you. No, no, I I think that's an excellent suggestion and a wonderful house rule to use in the game if you find that, you know, a player is wanting to take this and you don't want to stop them from taking it. Probably a good way to limit it. Very good suggestion. Thank you. Cool. I think it makes sense. Yeah. And they can, if they use Force Lightning uh, in a DSP-worthy way, doesn't mean that they still can't get a DSP for using it that way, if they were exactly. malicious with the way they used it. Just because, well, you can't give me a DSP for this. Well, no, actually I can because you're using it the wrong way. Precisely. Makes sense. All right, our next question comes from Henraldo. Hin- <coughs> Am I saying that correctly? I'm horrible. Henraldo. Pardon my call. Henraldo. Henraldo. I like saying that. Okay. Henraldo asked a mechanically minded question. I have been leafing through the books and I can't find this. Is there anywhere that officially describes hot wiring a vehicle using the mechanic skill? I assume that even people in the Star Wars universe lock their speeders in a questionable neighborhood. Whether it is locked with keys <laughs> or a security code, there must be ways to bypass it, hot wire it, and take it for a jewelry. I wonder what he does during the day. Yeah. Hmm, this is where it's about. Anyways, in my situation, this will be hot wiring a speeder or a speeder bike so the PCs can make a quick getaway. What DC is appropriate? DC 20 too hard for first level PCs. But I just took a look at our droid PC. He has a plus 10 for mechanics. He can take 10 in best situations and make it. But the Imperials are are bearing down in their speeders with sirens blaring. Is that too stressful to take 10? (sighs) <sighs> so many questions. So ba- basically, Enraldo's got this issue where he wants to mechanically find a way for his PCs to to hotwire a speeder if they need. How does he go about doing it? And that just it, sounds fun. Yeah, I, I, it, it cool. is. I'm sorry. It, it's 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 a good scenario. Um, but I would think basically to get access to a speeder, I mean, and you guys interject, they'd have to they'd have to bypass the lock. I mean, if it was a simple mechanical lock, think like a set of car keys, it would just be like a mechanics check to disable device. But if it's a computerized lock, you could use mechanics to disable device or maybe use computer to slice the lock. He said he was worried about DC-20 being too hard for first-level PCs. I think DC-20 to disable a lock on a vehicle is totally doable at first level. I mean, the droid in the party has got a 50-50 shot, you know, with that plus 10, even in combat. Um, and even better if his party wisely decides to, like, aid another and help him out on the skill. Yeah. But, Enraldo, if a PC is rushed in any way or threatened in any way, they can't take 10. And, I, I mean, I, I, th- I there's think... There's a feat they could take. Yeah, there's, there's feats and talents that let you do stuff like that. And that's, that's why you need to be stern with him and that the fact that he can't take 10. Because if you let him take 10 willy-nilly, then those character abilities that let you take 10 under stress will lose their luster. And you don't want to take those away. I think if your droid wants to be able to take 10 on such a check, he needs to take the appropriate ability. Um... Which but is a quick skill. <laughs> which is, yeah, there you go. So if, if, if a droid... So, okay, guys, so what? If a droid PC wants to guarantee the ability to hotwire the speeder on the fly, okay, in terms of Star Wars here, I mean, what, what do you guys think? Would, it, would a simple civilian speeder bike... Would it probably have an electronic lock, right? I mean... You know, I don't, I don't, I don't see people pulling out car keys in Star Wars. Maybe, you know, maybe you'd be entering a password or like a thumb scan um, or similar technology. I think they've got enough of OnStar systems on their 
speeder bikes now that nobody cares to lock because if something happens, they just phone OnStar and say, my car's been stolen. Track it down. Well, Shut it don't, off. We don't see you. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about the future here, that's well, where it's, we're but going. It's, but it's not the future. It's, far, it's, a, it's a long time ago <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. And I, I love this about Star Wars because it's like, it's, it's, Star Wars is always 1977's vision of the future. So you don't have things that are wireless very often. You don't have, you know, um, uh, things that we all have already ha had come to pass. It's like an older version of the future. Um, so, I mean, what do you guys think for... Go ahead. The clapper. <laughs> the, yes, the, the clapper. Um, it also um, depends on... Uh, who owns it? Like, if at the time, you know, if you think it's like the Empire, it's a uh, Empire owned uh, equipment. It's like who's gonna want to touch it? Who's gonna, you know, uh, deal with the wrath of it? So that's why they might not have to worry about any um, safety uh, things or start buttons or anything. This is very true. This is very true. Um, I, I don't know. I think if in, in terms of the DC and Raldo, um, I, I would classify a simple civilian speeder as having a basic electronic lock okay um now a, a, as such per the mechanic skill page 69 that, that requires a tricky mechanics check which is dc 20 okay as a full round action and also keep in mind if, if if the droid fails by five or more which is totally possible um something does go wrong most likely he would damage the lock maybe jam it or damage the electronics this could totally destroy the lock making the speeder inoperable without repair um, now, to your point, Sean, if we're talking about an Imperial speeder, okay, or, or like maybe the door to an ATST or something like that, um, if it even did have a lock, which it may not very well not, I mean, for Pete's sake, who's gonna, who wants to steal an Imperial speeder? That's bad news. Um, if, if, you, if you did want to put a lock on it, though, Henraldo, I, I would not make it a basic electronic lock. It would probably be a complex one, maybe requiring a code cylinder to access, and I'd probably bump that up to a complex check of a, of a DC-25. So. Sounds good. That's good. Order. Order. The will come to order. Chancellor, request a motion to suspend the rules. You're gonna suspend the rules? Oh, Shut up, Shaja! Motion granted. All right. Well, we enter uh, suspending the rules, our semi-regular segment where we take a look at house rules submitted by you, the Gamer Nation. And uh, this week we have a house rule which we're going to lovingly call a bucket of aid. Um, no, aid. Okay. Aid. Good. Aid. Good. Now, this came from Vader's son, didn't it? It did. He posted this, this up. Bending the rules from a by the book Vaderson? Yes, I know. I know. Duncan, proclaimed canon junkie. Yes. Uh, for him to post this, I was pleasantly wow, surprised. Wow. I, I tip my hat to him. Absolutely. I'm impressed. I, I don't know. Well, TG, why don't you tell us what he uh, posted up? He says, I came up with a great idea, if he doesn't say so himself, and was quite sad to determine that it is not allowed in Raw. 
what do you think of using double attack and triple attack, triple attack, etc., to work with things like the aid another action on an attack or aid another to suppress an enemy? I could easily see a noble with poor attacks take this to be able to aid two friends against a foe. The counterbalance I see is that coordinated attack feat makes the penalty for double attack moot. Further enhanced with the rapport feat for a plus four bonus to two allies, this could be a bit overpowering, but there is a high feat cost. Any comments on this? Would you allow it? So basically what he's asking, what he's saying is as a potential house rule, you can use the aid another action with double attack, triple attack, and all that. Um, I, that I sounds really cool. What's the penalty for a double and triple attack? Uh, minus five to each attack uh, for triple attack. That's cumulative, so you're looking at a minus ten. Okay. Um. And you know that's that's pretty steep. Um. But I, I don't know. I, I think it's a cool idea, and I'm sure every noble would love it. But I mean, the question is, is it balanced? Would you um, use it like all the time? You know? That that's that's the real question. I mean, a would noble you... would probably use it every single turn. Well, and that's the thing. It's like there's this feat out there called Rapport, which gives you, like, it's, you know, aid another book gives you that plus two bonus. Rapport turns that plus two into a plus four. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I'm a noble and I can give two of my allies a plus four to attack every single turn, that's that's one of those, why would you not do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But if you have, if you take a minus five, then you're essentially rolling and then subtracting one from whatever your bonus is. Well, yeah, but you only got to hit a 10. Yeah, and if you've got coordinated... Attack. Attack, you, you don't even need to roll. Coordinated attack says you automatically succeed to aid another in point-blank range, yes. so I don't think it's unbalanced to uh, aid another. Well, you wouldn't, Noble. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do, what do y'all guys think? Yeah, I don't know if I would... Uh... I don't know if I would, uh, I probably would. I probably would. Uh, just as long as, uh, it didn't, uh, you know, down the line, if, uh, a lot of other books come out where they might have some things that might actually be able to aid in that way and it might get way overpowered. But, uh, if the other person ain't, isn't doing anything, you know, except for aiding you, that's, uh, one less person in the fight, you know. It's true. It is. Or somebody going down or, you know, getting knocked on the track or whatever, then. That is their that is their role. That is their role. It's true. Patrick, what do you think? Would you would you allow as a house rule a noble to use uh, double attack, triple attack with the aid another action so they can aid multiple people? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. My my impression behind the the double attack and triple attack is as used as as an offensive measure rather than like aiding somebody else. Yeah. Um. I don't know. There's just seems something kind of fishy with that, in my opinion. <laughs> Honestly, I would only allow this for specific uses of aid another if you're going to do it at all. I think if you open the door to allow double and triple attack to work with non-attack standard actions, it's only a matter of time uh, before players start asking to use it with other standard actions like force powers. But I think a good solution, Duncan, might be to create a completely separate feat just for the action you're wanting to do. Something like double aid. Okay, which would let you use the aid another twice in a round as a full round action at minus five to both both checks, 
Um, and that could work. And furthermore, it wouldn't stack with coordinated fire because that's one of the big brooktastic parts about it. Um, so, but that's know. really cool. My I thought. mean, there's 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 a what noble book coming out. It might just be in there. It might just be in there. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I need to I need to uh, I need to go on the fly here, guys. Uh, I, in my infinite retardedness, oh, see, now I'm going to get letters for that, did not play uh, Alex Van D and Trevor C. Fragments from the Rim last week, segment uh. 39. So I have two. Should I just play one and leave one in the can in case something happens and they don't get it to us? I think you should play one and leave the the one you should have played last week and leave this week's in the can for next week. That way you can give Alex and Trevor a week off. Oh, there you go. Yeah, see, they can take a week off. All right, beautiful. So here we go. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment number 39 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen the talent Anticipate Movement which is a noble talent from the Anticipation Talent Tree. You'll find it in Galaxy at War, page 18. This is what it says. Once per round, as a reaction to an enemy in your line of sight, you can enable one ally within your line of sight to move up to his or her speed as a free action. This is rather useful if your noble is in a party who has a powerful beatstick character, a melee monster of some kind, who needs to get within range of his opposition, particularly at low levels if the character has not been able to develop the necessary talents and feats and abilities to get within the range to get off multiple attacks if they have the multiple attacking ability. This talent a noble can get at a very low level, thus enabling the two characters to work together for the melee character to get off multiple attacks at early levels, perhaps before they've managed to gain access to talents and feats and abilities that allow them to do it on your own. Over to you, Trevor. And today, I'm going to talk to you about the scripted routines talent from the New Elite Droid Talent Tree in the Scavenger's Guide to Droids. As mentioned in previous fragments, I like the talents that basically replicate the idea of a force power and the fact that it's a single talent that gives you multiple items that can be used once per encounter. Scripted Routines is one of these such talents. Essentially, your extensive experience allows you to preset specific routines that give you an advantage in some situations. Once per encounter, you can use each of the following actions. The first is called Attack Script. You can use a feat or a talent that modifies your attack roll as one action less. For example, a full round action becomes a standard, a standard becomes a move, a move becomes a swift, or a swift becomes a free. That is really neat. The second routine is called Defense Script. You can apply your Independent Spirit bonus a second time during a single encounter. Independent Spirit is the even-leveled ability of the Independent Droid Prestige class from the Force Unleashed Handbook. And essentially what it means is that once per encounter, you can grant yourself a morale bonus equal to half of your class level to any defense of your choice. With this script, you can now do that twice in encounter. And obviously, it doesn't have to be to the same defense score. So you could bump up your reflex one turn and your will another. And the last script is skill script. While in combat, you can apply a bonus equal to one half of your class level to any single skill that requires a standard action or less to use. You must be trained in the skill. An example of this would be using the deception skill to feint an enemy and if you're if you're 
droid happens to be a scoundrel, then this allows you to add a, a modifier to your ability to do that feint, which you know is a nice little bonus to have. So again, this is one talent that an independent droid could be greatly benefited from, especially considering that it's a single talent that essentially can be used in three different ways every encounter. Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send Alex or I an email at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Uh-huh. Yup. What does that mean? <laughs> it means it's time for the meat. It's time to get pumped I up. like meat. Uh, yeah, it's time to get pumped up. I like the pumped upness. We're going to uh, pump you up. Going to pump you up. Well, we are getting to the reason, uh, Gamer Nation, that we invited Patrick and Sean on the show tonight to, to discuss uh, something we've been wanting to talk about for a while now. And I think we're going to call this meat... A cadre of glow sticks. So the, the start of this is about three months ago. I get this email from Ben in San Diego, California, and Ben wrote us. TG, you want to hit us up for uh, what, ben, what Ben wrote us? Yes. So Ben, ben that's his name, right? Ben. 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 <laughs> you just said it like 10 times, so I wanted to make sure everyone understood that it was really Ben. Ben writes, GM Chris, hello, I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. Am I still on? Can anybody hear me? I, I, we can hear you fine. Yeah, oh, okay. I just couldn't hear myself. <laughs> <laughs> I like listening to myself talk. All right. He says, I'm a father who kind of got out of gaming for the past decade, having to get it up a few years after my son was born as I just didn't have the time. That's very understandable, Ben. I used to play the West End game, Star Wars role-playing game, which I've learned mean is, is the WEG games, and we had a blast. My son is now 12 and is a big Star Wars geek like his dad. Last year, he and his friends got into D&D, and I was blown away. I'd not played with a D20 system before. Now, he wants to get into Star Wars role-playing, and we've been listening to the podcast and learning a lot. I'm running a Knights of the Old Republic game for him, two of his friends, and another dad. And, of course, everyone wants to be a Jedi. For a saga game, I was wondering if you could give me any advice or ideas for an all-Jedi campaign. I know it's best to have a mixed party, but I want to make it work. I want everyone to have fun. Thanks for your help. Ben. Cool. Well, uh, at the time, uh, this was several months ago, I, I gave Ben some advice, and it occurred to, to us that, that many others might be running into the same predicament. And at the same time, the host had been talking about doing some shows about campaign advice for specific genres of campaigns. And recently, uh, Ben's email kind of came back to the forefront of my mind because I had talked to more and more gamers who are running these these all-Jedi saga games and finding that they have to consider things a bit differently. Um, I mean, heck, the, the very first saga campaign I ever ran in my life was an all-Jedi game. Um, and, of course, D20 Radio's own Brew City Gamers. Uh, Sean, what? You guys are currently playing uh, an all-Jedi KOTOR game right now, right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, we started in October... 
Um, and this came about uh, when I guess I must have had like a little fit or tyrant or something where I was like, I want to play a Jedi. I've never played a Jedi before. So, and somehow <laughs> that turned into all of us playing Jedi, which worked because, you know, we all want, we were all, you know, biting at playing, um, you know, uh, Kotar, you know, campaign. That's what we're playing. Yeah. So, oh, well, dude, it's, 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 it's a good era to do it. And I know we're going to get into some of the eras. Um, now, last, uh, not last week, but the week prior when we spoke with uh, um, Saga designer Patrick Stutzman, sir, you mentioned you were running uh, such a game as well. Yeah, I've uh, been running mine on a monthly basis since about. You were cutting out. You said you've been running it for about. Half a year. About half a year. Half a year. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. That's so... up in October. Yeah. <laughs> so when we spoke with um, you, and obviously talking to to Sean, we kind of kind of brought this to the forefront. So tonight, with your help, we're going to take a good look at the benefits and the issues that, that you might encounter uh, when running an all-Jedi game. What, what to think about, what to avoid, and how to make such a game run as best as you possibly can. So to start off, talk, guys, talk to me about, because this, Sean, this kind of hits at the forefront of, of what you mentioned a minute ago, the appeal of an all-Jedi campaign. I, I, think, I think a lot, of, a lot of newcomers to Saga, as well as even just hardcore Star Wars fans, they seem to be drawn to the allure of the Jedi. And I, I don't know, a few things seem to be so uniquely Star Wars for so many people as the, the expandable glow stick and the, the serene robes of the Jedi. So what, what is it? Why, Sean, why were you per your rant, drawn to play a Jedi? Why did you want to play a Jedi so badly? Uh, well, kind of just popping around with other classes, and, you know, they're pretty fun, and after this, I definitely want to go back and play more of a scoundrel type again, um, but sometimes you just want to kick butt, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's <laughs> that's pretty much the, the gist of it right there, and just, uh, you know, Jedi, they have such a, a great history in this world, and, you know, they have their, their place, and I just wanted to be a part of it. I think we're doing a pretty good job with it so far. This is probably one of the best campaigns I've played in uh, since as far as I can remember. That's fantastic. Um, well, Patrick, what prompted your players to want to to do just all Jedi? Was it their decision or was it yours? Actually, I kind of corralled them into it. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us. Well, uh, basically, I was um, you know wanting to start up a saga campaign uh, mainly for the fact that I've felt like I was probably one of the few, if only, designer of the game that actually was not involved in the Saga campaign. So I wanted to get started to get some gaming experience, playtest some of the stuff that I've been working with, and actually get more familiar with the material than above and beyond what I already was. And so I thought about, you know, what kind of campaign I'd want to put together, you know, because I, up until now, I've been running like Rebellion, New Republic campaigns and such, and, you know, starting with West End Games, then moving into, moving into versions. And with uh, the, all the different campaign guides that were coming up for Saga, I figured, you know, why not look into something else, making it a little fresh, more exciting, something new. And one of the issues that um, actually helped me to to determine what I wanted to run exactly um, was the fact that there was another designer that actually lives near to me that I was hoping to get involved in the game also. And he has an open invitation that, that being Sterling Hershey. Um, Uh So I looked at, you know, the different campaign guys that he worked on and basically, 
at the time I was looking, uh, Knights of the Old Republic or Legacy Era. And I um, also uh, spoke with and uh, corresponded with another friend of mine that had been a long player in my campaigns, that being Trampus Whiteman, who's um, also known for uh, game design for the Dragonlance campaign setting. And so we were talking with him, and he felt that, you know, he was he was kind of familiar with both, but um, he was had not really had much exposure to the Knights of the Old Republic setting, so he felt like he would enjoy playing in that era more. And so I figured we'd, I'd go with, uh, with go with the KOTOR campaign, and I was, as I was looking through the campaign setting, talking with my wife about a few things on it also, um, conclusion that an all-Jedi campaign, in my opinion, I thought would be a nice change of pace and give something that would be actually more a nice little Republic setting. Yeah, it, it is iconic to that setting, it seems. Um, which is, is, is cool. It's, it's a cool setting. Um, now, Sean, you mentioned something earlier. Sometimes you just want to kick butt. I know a Jedi can be some of the most effective combatants in the game. And, you know, for, for a player or a group of them who enjoy the combative aspect of the RPG, I mean, I think there's worse choices out there, um, which is fun. Um, but the other thing, too, and, and TG, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this because, ma'am, you, you have yet to play a Jedi at all in in any form or fashion and is t- are, are you on tg <laughs> i think we may have lost tg oh <laughs> she's talking into her muted mic probably talking into her muted mic there you are just delaying the show boom put boom, boom 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 all right so repeat your is. question and maybe i can answer it well okay dave okay this this relates to you too because you have um, you're playing a character right now that that is is a, a, a Jedi or has become a Jedi. I think one of the more interesting aspects of the Jedi is the fact that it's this it's this meaty role playing choice that it you know played well. It can be a very challenging role playing decision. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Um, only because, well, wow, we're just losing people left and right. This this show is going to be the worst show ever. <laughs> I believe this show will be the worst show ever. Oh, ba- 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 Patrick's, Patrick's been going in and out, but it, it's cool. And Chris is having a, a mic, TG's having a mic issue, so don't worry about it. Anyway, did, did you so, ever get her a new mic, by the way? Um, no. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. He had, to, he had to buy a new game for that uh, set Xbox. He had to buy. So. Yeah, yeah, he had to get yeah. he had to get all his own <laughs> stuff. Yeah, exactly. See, here we go with that again. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, John. Nope. Yes, uh, thanks, Sean. <laughs> I'm sure. Let you know I listen to the show. Yeah, uh. see? yeah, exactly. He's never okay. So yeah, from a perspective of a role playing choice, it is a little bit challenging from time to time. Although the Jedi Code could actually tell you that it's fairly easy, except for the temptation part. Temptation is bad. Yeah, temptation is bad, and how do you deal with it? Well. You know, in, in this particular instance, uh, you had to go and throw me the curveball of a Padawan. That was a bitch. <laughs> On top of that. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was difficult at that. But, you know, still, he's a, he's a lightsaber-wielding badass that 
pretty much cleaves anything in his path. So yeah. And you know, I you know what pissed me off is that I was driving home and realized that I have a feat that allows me to make a second attack. Yes, you have double attack, don't you? No, it's when I when I uh, do a melee attack that does damage, I can make another attack with no penalty and do half damage. Oh yeah, and you I totally weren't using that. No, oh. I totally forgot. It has to be a different target within melee range, so I don't I don't think I was flanked but once in the entire time, but. Yeah, but still, it was a nasty fight. Yeah. But well, we we can talk about that post show. But basically, I don't know. I, I think the po- the point is your 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 story illustrates a good point that playing a Jedi can be a real meaty choice. Now, TG, are you back with us? I am back. Okay. Okay. She she is back. TG, you are the only person in our game group that has never ever played a Jedi. Yes. Why? Because they're iconic. I I know uh... that sounds odd, but. Um, I think for a lot of people, they want to play it because they want to play like a Jedi. That it's an RP choice for them. Yeah. And for me, for me personally, I feel like playing a Jedi for me would already have the script laid out. It's already telling me how I'm supposed to play my character instead of me inventing exactly what I want my character to be. So they have to be a Jedi, and there's a certain way a Jedi behaves. And for a lot of people, that's a lot of fun to play because that challenges them or it just gives them a way to not have to think necessarily about how they're playing. And then they can do the other fun stuff that goes along with role playing. Aside I, from, I think it could be both. What cracks me up is that yeah. it's, it's either a very easy choice or a very hard choice. Right. Be- because it's one, it's one of those things, if, if you want to play a Jedi, it's either, wow, okay, I know how I have to behave, I don't have to think. Or, right. God, I, I'm not like this. My character is not like this. I don't want to be like this. I have to struggle to play this way. It's the same reason I never played a paladin in D&D. <laughs> See, uh, I, I will go the other way on you. I will say that I probably will never play a Jedi again because I'm bored with it. Why? You're bored with a Jedi? I, I'm, I mean, it's fun dealing damage, and it's a great character and all that, but the role-playing aspect, to me, has kind of gone by the wayside. You should play a counselor, then. Because it's, you know, you're, you're, down, you're just down, you're down a certain path, you're, your responses are pretty much set, and the only problem I had was dealing with the Padawan, who was a bitch. Did I, ever, did I say that? Well, and, and th- that yes. is th- it is it is a problem. But no, I agree with Sean, dude. You need to play a consular. The only Jedi you've ever played have been these big beat sticks. That's it. Who who use their lightsaber before anything else? No wonder you're going to get bored with it. Yeah, that's true. It was very it's it's been very one dimensional. So yeah, man, I just need to branch out, I guess. But well, I I want to do something a little bit more techy. Mm. Like Booter's character is really really intriguing to me. Techie's good. It's good. Well, the point is, guys, there's lots of different reasons that a party might wish to be Jedi and play all Jedi. And, you know, it, it, it's Star Wars. It's iconic. It's powerful. It can be a meaty RP choice. It can be an easy RP choice for some people. So if, if you've made this decision to do it, now, Sean, Patrick, you guys are both running your game in KOTOR. And, Patrick, you pretty much already laid out for us, you know, kind of why you chose that era. Um, but just to kind of go through some of the errors to run a good all-Jedi campaign. And let's start by talking about KOTOR. Um, Patrick, um, are, you, are you on the line with us? I know you've been, you've been coming in and out. Um, I, I think so. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. can hear you just fine. Um, well, it's a Verizon guy. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> okay, for for you, what made Kotor an era iconic to have that all Jedi setting in? Well, a lot of the um, the history involving involving the Jedi really came to the forefront with uh, the Knights of the Old Republic games that um, that came out and the, the comics and the and all the stories that were revolving around the Jedi of that era really brings them to the forefront, fleshes them out, and really puts a lot more depth into the Jedi Order, uh, even more so than what you see with the movies and even some of the later novels. So, uh, and, I, and not to mention, it's, it's, an, it's a time period that's pretty much ripe for the picking for you to go in and develop your own stories without... Ah. Uh. ...of the stories that have already been developed. There's a wide... With a lot of that are going on with the Jedi Order at that time, Well, I know that um, kind of you're kind of cutting it out there, Patrick. I know that I know that it, as you say, it is a blank slate, and that's that's so easy to game in, right? Um, you know, it's an era of history where we have so many divergent groups of Force users running around, um, and it, it's just it's just it's just easy. Um, Sean, what whose whose decision was it to do a Kotor game, and why Kotor? I think it was a little bit of everyone's decision, ultimately Bugs' decision, but, uh, you know, it's a setting we have never played in before, so we wanted to give it a shot, and, you know, like Patrick says, it's it's made for this type of campaign, so, mm-hmm. uh, and it's this was like a, this was like our testing grounds, too, uh, we haven't played a Saga in a while, so we wanted to get back into it, and we're like, well, this, let's just get into it and see what happens, and it's worked good, um, you know, uh, combating the Sith and, you know, just dealing with all the stuff that the Jedi had to deal with back uh, during that time. Yeah. There's certainly some good threats that are out there that are, you know, force-ready, good for a Jedi. Well, okay, what are some, talk to me about other eras, though, because I think KOTOR is the standout choice for an all-Jedi campaign. It's the easiest option. But I think there are others that can still be fun. Um Patrick, if you if you had to choose another era to base an all Jedi campaign in, what what other era would you consider and and why? Well, the next obvious choice for me personally would be during the Clone Wars, because uh-huh. um, uh, you know with them, um, especially with like maybe a smaller group, or you, you know, even if you like throw in like a few clone NPCs, you know, have um, you know throwing the Jedi's in there, and you know with the 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 combats and all the situations going on. Seems like a, a really good error to to do it in because you're fighting a whole bunch of droids and you don't have to worry about getting DSPs for unleashing your force. <laughs> <laughs> from, a, from a mechanical aspect, this is very, very true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sean, okay, Sean when, when Bug DMs, how how hard how hard does he hand out the DSPs? I mean, are dark side points an issue in your game at frequently or? Oh, uh, they yeah they've been coming an issue. Uh, they've been uh, showing their ugly head. Uh, I uh, as for myself, I try to stay away from it. Uh, I'm as you know iconic as uh, stereotypical as a Jedi is gonna be. You know that's why I played my Jedi, so I I stay away from it. But uh, I've seen it in use in our game. Uh, you know, I'm gonna throw out the name Mr. Ruffles there, and uh, yeah, that's it's all <laughs> just, it's all him. Just throwing, just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, it's it's coming to play, and it, and it it makes it you know it just kind of makes it more interesting. It's just you know you got that uh, that intrigue, that um, that pressure to you know stay on the the right side, you know that. Uh, so yeah. Now, have you guys fought droids at all? Uh can I? For no, uh, I think we fought um like an assassin droid. Okay. Uh, way back and, at the beginning of the campaign, that was it though. Just one droid, I think. Okay, because I mean, to, to TG's point, I, I I think I mean Patrick, yeah, you, you're right when you say Clone Wars is the next great era to come to mind for a lot of, for a lot of good reasons. And to TG's point, again, you can if if I if I unleash you know a force slam on a a party of semi defenseless you know human beings, that's Dark Side City. If I just do it on a a bunch of droids, um, you know, again, they're just it's just equipment. They're not. They're not just, sentient beings. They're not living beings. Just shrug and move on. Just shrug and move on. Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, no, I, TG. I think that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of other eras to play in, um, I'm a huge fan of playing Jedi in the Dark Times era. Um, now, as far as a, an entire party of Jedi, I think this perhaps might be the most difficult to pull off. Um, because I mean, you're talking about your players are going to be constantly hunted. Not to mention, there's not too many Jedi, so having a whole party of them might be a bit of a stretch. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, ah, that 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 could be interesting. Any thoughts on on the Dark Times era at all for a, an all Jedi campaign? Oh, uh, that that yeah, like you said, I got to make it very interesting. I could think you can create some great stories. Um, you know, the hopelessness, the you know. The depression, you know, stuff like that, you know, just yeah, that can make for some really interesting uh, playing. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I probably would never uh, play in something like that. It, it would be tough, but from a from a role playing perspective, it could be could be just rife with. Oh, it can be fantastic. Yeah, good stuff. You'd have to have the right party of mm. people to play that because, uh, I because I just think back to. One of Brev's characters, who's the Don Quixote Jedi. Oh, yeah. And if he's in a Dark Times campaign, if that particular character's in a Dark Times campaign and all Which of a sudden starts whipping out a... Yeah, it's just not good. <laughs> yeah, anytime, And it's frustrating anytime for the whole part. Everybody's got to agree to how they're going to behave together as a group. I think you have all, the whole party has to agree to a philosophy of we're either going to try our hardest to completely hide who we are at every possible way or we're not going to give a rat's but behind. Then, it's just, just going to disintegrate. Yeah. The coherency yeah. of the group. Hey, Vader's back. <laughs> now, there's one other error, the the legacy error, right? Yeah. New Jedi. Well, yeah, New Jedi Order, yeah. yeah. Legacy New Jedi though. Order. That That's almost... That's almost like back in the Clone Wars where it's very much accepted that there's a lot of Jedi around. Well, yeah, it depends on how far forward you go in legacy, but like, okay. And this seems like you could be a much more non-Jedi Jedi, too. Yes, very, very potentially. You wouldn't have to be, so that way it gives flexibility. So somebody who wants to play a true Jedi from the movies can, and somebody who's, I want to play a Jedi, but I don't want to be restricted by, you know, how I conduct myself or or RP and Joyce's just because I'm a Jedi might be able to fit in here. Yes. And, and this is, this is the, what I love about the idea of a new Jedi order era 
um, like Je- all Jedi campaign is that I think it's easy to have a group of young Jedi that are learning to be Jedi together. Because that was a that was a common occurrence. So they might report to a single master or something like that, which was you know when the when the Praxian was trying to train people, that's what they did. They didn't have the people to train, and so you you're able to have those divergent viewpoints because people are learning to find their own paths. You don't have this established, you know, establishment kind of bearing down on you. So, okay, there's another era that we haven't talked about. What? The GM create his own era. What, al- al- alternate universe? Well, I mean, you could say, well, your alternate universe is really just a, yeah. a you know. It's yeah, no, it doesn't change the basics. Right. But, you know, just give the GM fiat to do whatever he wants. Sure. And, you know, not call it an era in specific, but you're, you're still going to have... But Dave, but Dave, that's not very Star Warsy to do that. And then you're just defying the whole reason of Star Wars to play in the Star Wars era. That's and right. <laughs> and all of you guys, why would you guys, suggest something? That's just so wrong. I know all of yeah, you guys that are nerd raging. Right all you guys that are nerd ra- nerd raging right now, you can kiss my white ass. <laughs> oh, that Dave. Let's be fair. Your ass is not white. No, it's not. Oh, well, moving on. My wife got it. Wait a second. What about an All Mandalorian campaign? What if you like had you know Jedi oh. going against them or something? All Mandalorians. See, all look Mandalorian. at that. So you had a, so like you had an all Jedi group. We don't really know, much but about they were fighting against the Mandalores. Hey, that that's so that, plausible. that was the whole campaign is to fight the Mandalores. That's that's the whole GM Fiat campaign era. There did the hijack did did the podcast just get hijacked by Michelle Stutzman? Yes, it did. Oh. <laughs> Episode 93, running an all-Mando campaign. Uh. <laughs> wow. Hey, you know what we ought to do? We should have cheese. No, we should have an alternate Order 66 podcast with all the women. Like fun. Mrs. Sarley, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Stutzman, TG. Mrs. Mrs. Her- yeah, Mrs. Her- <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Hershey, sorry. Michelle, yeah. Sterling's wife. TG and Cat. Hey, that'd be kind of cool. Oh. <laughs> that would be fun. It would be interesting. <laughs> I could yep. just see it now. That would be all cool. kinds of bunny trails. Yeah. That's right. And then you get over 200 viewers, probably, too. Probably. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> For 200 live viewers. Is there webcams? Webcams? Any webcams? Mm-hmm. Um, no. Well, back to the topic at hand. Let's let's talk about the benefits <laughs> of, of an all Jedi party. Um, specifically, I mean, like, an all Jedi or primarily Je- Jedi party is, tends to be playing on a really different level, and they can work together in ways that other parties cannot. Patrick, do you have in your game um, char- more than one character with vital transfer? I feel like <laughs> I'm being railroaded on this podcast. Yes, that's because we have a time limit. I got to fly out in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> We lost him again. Could, did we lose Patrick? Please repeat the question. Uh, Benefits. I, can you hear me now? There you yes. are. Yes. Hear now. My God. I was asking if you had, yeah. um, if you had uh, two or more Jedi with vital transfer in your party. He's gone again. See, oh. there we go. But 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 can you hear me now? We can hear you fine. Good. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um. Vital transfer. Um, I'd have to pull the character sheet. 
Well, I'm just you know, like the whole the whole trap of you know like basically the, how like two Jedi with vital transfer can make healing basically a, a flat out non issue. That you know they can vital transfer everybody else and then they can vital transfer each other until they're both at one hit point down. The tr- you know and and that's it. Um, Sean, I mean, I mean, do, are you do you guys mm-hmm. use vital transfer shenanigans in your group? Uh, I don't think so. I couldn't recall uh, what the other guys do, and it hasn't come up at good, all, really. So good for y'all. Yeah. So yeah, we're. <laughs> I know I definitely want to pick it, but I don't even know what it is. So. Well, I mean, for in terms of of the benefits of an all Jedi party, you've got this healing just can flat out become a non-issue <clears throat> if you have two Jedi's that know the vital transfer force power. They can just heal everyone, then heal each other, and the you know as long as you're out of combat and you've got ten or fifteen minutes, the party's at full health. Boom. I mean, well, we, we we got a good droid for that now. We just picked up one, so we're good. Nice. <laughs> hey, and they can all aid each other on their use the force checks. Ha <laughs> ha! Yes, they can. Yeah, I even think use a little uh, uh, advisor. What is that? Uh, skilled advisor on that? Oh, oh yes, yes. Consular. T- See, Dave, consular talent. Jedi consular <laughs> talent. Right. Skilled advisor. There you go. Just make sure the droid doesn't ever throw a grenade. Yes. <laughs> we have a. Uh... Uh, one of the players that actually is in the game is actually another writer, and uh, he does force push a lot. I don't know. Like, like a super a lot? A ton. A ton. <laughs> a ton. A metric. A healthy amount of a lot. An unhealthy. Yeah, there you go. See? Too much is never enough. Well, healing is obviously that that one huge benefit to being uh, having an all Jedi party. But the other thing for me that I've encountered in the past, not so much with my current group, but with a prior group I was with, um, was the idea that plot points are basically out the window thanks to search your feelings and far seeing, <laughs> two Jedi abilities and force power and and a, and a use the force ability that can just turn complex story issues into simple solutions and can totally wreck a campaign. Um, Have either of you, uh, Sean or Patrick, had anyone in your campaigns use the force creatively to, to, you know, demystify something or find out a hidden secret or, you know, totally just turn your campaign on its ear? Well, (laughs) (laughs) go ahead, Patrick. Let's go. Well, um, I've um, had one of my players um, uh, start influencing the rest of the party to be using. Uh, matter of fact, it's uh, another uh, game designer, as a matter of fact, uh, T. Rob Brown, who worked with me in Clone Wars and is also one of the authors in the upcoming Galaxy of Intrigue, um, plays ah. in the campaign also. Yeah, he and his brother Joshua play in my campaign. And uh, T. Rob has been notorious about uh, using Force Lane a lot and is getting. Uh, Not me. My gosh. What is going on? I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. Their connection is just... Uh, yeah, you guys are cutting in and out really bad. We're going to call episode 92, <laughs> The Curse of the Stutzman. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, you you mentioned, too, that they that it was used creatively. How so? Uh, well, not, not really uh, used like to like really benefit us too much uh i tried i do have far scene and i did try using it to locate uh the big bad guy a couple times uh but i just could not roll high enough so um but i did come up with some good you know trying to come up with good uh, situations where i can use this stuff 
and try to, you know, get the venture going. Uh, much to uh, Bugs, uh, you know, heartache, you know, because I'm probably trying to like jump ahead like, a couple of steps, you know, with that ability. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to the day when I can actually use, you know, Farseen and it actually working for me. I've seen in our campaign with um, the Jedi's we have for the Alti Universe campaign, Chris, you've used it. You use their far scene pretty well. You've also, one of the things you've done that I thought was absolutely wonderful is you've given them dreams. And uh, and they're, they're weird, crazy dreams that nobody can really untangle and make any sense of until they've gone through the whole process and actually know at the end did, did you just, that it fit did you in just, Did you just compliment me on my game? Hey! No. <laughs> oh my god it's being recorded wow. so there's proof ah yeah no the sixth it's... seal has been broken well and when you <laughs> when you provide that for them before they even ask you know before they try to use it then they wind up not asking because they feel like they've already got this piece of information because they're Jedi right. and and they stop trying to railroad your story is <laughs> it's like it's a, they stopped trying to railroad my story because i've railroaded it for them exactly. <laughs> wow see now bada boom well okay patrick sean have you got have you guys come across any other unexpected benefits or unusual things that that would not normally have happened positively because you you are either gming or playing in a party of all jedi is anything just just crazy happen that normally would not Don't everyone answer it once. Great. No, apparently not. <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of going back through the archives myself. Well, how do you know it wouldn't have happened? How do I know what wouldn't have happened? I don't know. What wouldn't have happened? I, don't, I have no idea. Nothing. Cool. Oh, jeez, guys. <laughs> hey, I see your point, Dave. How, Chris, how would they have known that it wouldn't have been that awesome if it was just Jedi? Oh. Your question's very vague. Oh, fa- f- oh. sorry for the vague to... question. Oh my god! All I right, gotta make right. up I... for giving you compliments, okay? <laughs> I got, I got, I got something. Okay. All right, um, awesome. With the with the different types of Jedi types that you can take and the different talents and such, uh, I think we uh, worked really well uh, having you know uh, a guardian in the group and me as a counselor uh, being able to uh, knock you know, the, you know, the opponents, you know, to get rid of the, the lower end opponents real quickly with, uh, with, uh, my, uh, talents, like the master negotiation and stuff, talking them down, mm-hmm. uh, get them to surrender. Uh, and then, or if we're, you know, going to be in combat to the end and I'll, I'll move them down the, the track and then, then the, the guardian will come in and clean up afterwards. So, uh, uh, in that way, I think, uh, which is kind of like, what people want, you know, what does everyone thinks when you're playing Jedi, you know, you're working together as one group, you know, this one nicely oiled machine that you just, just fly through encounters. That, that, that's so good to hear because I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's one of the real good benefits of an all Jedi party is that if you build a party properly, they can work together so seamlessly. It, it's almost as if the talent trees are built to do that. You know, this guy's going to move you down the condition track. This guy's going to cleave you with one blow. You know, this guy's going to heal you and so on and so forth and so on and so forth. And, you know, 
one of the other things as he was talking that I could see that would be a good benefit for Jedi and it would be very role playing too is you probably would wind up having less combat less less bloodshed so you can talk them down or mind trick them or subdue them enough to capture them and question them and you wind up getting more information that can really develop you know an elaborate story where it's not just a hack and slash it doesn't have to be just a hack and slash game it can be a lot more I don't know about like that, it. TG. I sure do like my hack and slash. Well, most people do. <laughs> See, if I, no, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it really is because if I were a GM, I'd be writing, I'd be writing my campaigns in such a way that if you kill everybody, you're not going to get the information you need. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, the, and that is you, Dave. <laughs> you're going to make sure if you screw up, too bad. You screwed up, and you're going to have to deal with it. Right. Chris doesn't do that as well. <laughs> no, I really don't. You you find some way for us to get the information we need. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Patrick, any anything that comes to your mind in terms of your party working together unexpectedly as Jedi? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't! Well, <laughs> yeah, so, but, um, I'll admit there's been some interesting role-playing aspects where they uh, don't get along. Um, as a matter of fact, it's kind of geared that way anyway is um well basically the the party as it is right now is a combination of two jedi masters and their padawan entourages Mm -hmm. uh one being from the temple in coruscant and the other one being from the library at ossus and the jedi masters themselves don't get along very well let alone the padawans nice See that's interesting because it, it, I think depending on how you play it, you, I mean, you, it can it can go both ways, and based like on the era discussion we had earlier, like listen, if you're playing a Jedi in the Clone Wars, it's expected, yeah, you're kind of this cookie cutter Jedi, you follow this code. But if you're like in the Kotor era or the Legacy era or New Jedi Order, that is not the case. There's a lot of different political factions within the Jedi Order during those times. There's a lot of different um, just personal views depending on where you were trained and the academy you came from and all this other stuff. And for you, even from a fluff perspective, yeah, there's there comes potential for a lot of conflict. And that was also one of the selling points for the Kotor era myself. Oh, there you go. It's only in the Jedi Order itself. It just you know opens up the door for a lot of role playing opportunities. Yes, it does. I would agree. So it's it's it can be a good benefit, but it also seems like if you don't have the right group of people playing, it really could be a pitfall. Or if you have the right group of people playing, it can be a pitfall. <laughs> um, you know, that, that could be, see, that, that, that's a good gaming situation right there. That's fun. But let's talk about that, TG. So, okay, so there's some of the benefits that All Jedi Party can have. What are some of the pitfalls an All Jedi Party can experience, challenges they might face that other parties might not? Um, the one first one that comes dimension. to my mind immediately is, Dave, remember the story about the stormtroopers on the ledge? One-dimensional. Yeah. Stormtroopers on a ledge. Jedi characters usually are all about the melee. Um, the, the amount of ranged combat limitations for saber swingers are pretty steep. I mean, with the exception of like move light object, which is really low damage, and a handful of force powers and techniques, ranged combat can, can be a pretty big issue. Right. Um, yes. have, have either of you guys encountered that in your campaigns at all? I have. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Um, basically, right now, the... Um, where we are in, Mark, in my campaign, 
they're just now starting to get into combat itself. Um, so they haven't really had much of a, a chance to really show their one-dimensionalness, per se. <laughs> but, um, they yeah, they try. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that, you know, can really contribute toward that, um, the fact that they're not very diverse, it's like they're all first level at this point. This is their first adventure they're going through, so they haven't really had much of a chance to diversify and really define themselves as characters other than the fact that they're all first-level apprentices. This is true. Not yet. Since when? Well, you know, we've told the story before about how, you know, not to put too fine a point on any one particular campaign, but remember the time that you were GMing a game, Chris, and we were reduced to the move light object and we kept hitting them with their own guns? Because yeah. none of us had melee. <laughs> none of us yeah. had melee. I mean, we were all melee, I'm sorry. And, and none of and, us had and this, and this, let's, you, this was the first game I ever ran in Saga. And it was the, you guys were all Jedi. Every single one of you decided you wanted to be a Jedi. And seriously, I, I put a bunch of stormtroopers on a ledge. You couldn't reach them. You couldn't get up to them. You were picking up their own guns and hurling them at them. For, you killed them a D6 at a time. It was pathetic. Yeah. It uh, was, I mean, it, was, it, was, it took a long time. But, you know, we, we got them eventually. But uh, Sean, what about you? What what, what does Bug do as a, as, a, as a GM? I mean, are you guys in situations where you're limited by your lack of range ability? Uh, luckily, uh, we're not. Uh, he's he, he's working around that and you know making sure he he does does try to make it challenging. Oh um, uh, yeah, we fought uh, against range combatants, but it's not it's not like they were ever never out of reach, and we all have surge, so ah. it's not a problem. <laughs> Yep. Like oh. I said, we we done we done good. So <laughs> the chat room's talking about deflect and redirect shot, and that's all well and good. But at level two, sorry, you don't have it. Yeah, and if you even then, if you have it at level three, I would still say you're wasting your talents. Um, you know, deflect is fine, but redirect, yeah, you're not gonna get that till later. Meh. Um, uh, so another another uh, uh, one-dimensional uh, way to look at uh, Jedi is with their. Uh, lack of ability of uh, doing all the stuff that other classes do, which obviously everybody knows about, you know, like doing the tech stuff. Um, obviously, you have the counselor, so you can do your noble-like uh, abilities and stuff, but uh, yeah, I guess probably in one dimension, uh, thinking like that, probably just, you know, in combat is probably where it comes up, up the most for, uh, for Jedi. Right. Word. Now, the other thing that strikes me is the dark side. Now, now listen. As for as far as as far as a role playing aspect goes, and we've been we've been talking about the role playing aspect of a Jedi and, and what you want and what you don't. I'm sorry. Sometimes your party wants a scoundrel or a soldier to beat a confession out of a prisoner. Okay, and the Jedi cannot do that, or they're going to get dark side points at the yin yang. I mean, hey, the well, you know what? The, the scoundrel will too, but the Jedi would flat out simply not do. I mean, that would be totally antithetical to their character. Um, I would hope. So, I mean, I, what, what do you guys think about that? About, about that? I mean, it, it, the party themselves can be... can be. We, we kind of touched on this earlier with the party being a little too goody-two-shoes, being limited by the Jedi Code, when you don't have a character that can make that tough choice readily as part of their inherent characterization and their inherent, you know, personal credo. 
I mean, is that something that, that has affected you all at all? And can you see it affecting a party of Jedi? Uh, maybe at the beginning of our campaign, but uh, really? it doesn't affect us anymore. So. <laughs> we move past it. We just take the DSPs and go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, you know, it's uh, like, it's, you know, this kind of goes on. You know, as a campaign goes, you kind of look at where the, the, the group is going and, you know, where they're progressing. Uh, and sometimes some people just take that path, you know. Uh, uh, and sometimes we actually, I think we actually almost like did something almost kind of that we should have warranted, you know. Uh, and I think actually um, they did. I, I never did, but um, Trazer in our group, uh, he wound up uh, to keep a person down. He wound up uh, putting his foot on um, uh, this other uh, Sith, uh, his throat, and trying to like keep him down that way and stuff. And it was like almost like, you know, crushing him, kind of cr crushing his throat. So that was, uh, that was something um, that probably... You know, fall along those lines. Um, but yeah, we we uh, yeah we don't have a problem anymore with uh, you know partaking in that sort of thing. Well, Patrick, Michelle, I mean, in y'all's campaign, is is the role playing aspect an issue? Do you do you guys find you know uh, with your competitive nature, you guys are at odds with the Jedi code, or how you know are are, are is the code too goody two shoes for you to accomplish your goals? Answering for the Stutzmans. It will be Answer. TG. <laughs> it's TG. <laughs> yeah, they dropped it. Well, my opinion on the matter. <laughs> yeah, they dropped they, it again. They, they've, been, they've been dropping in and out. But, well, okay, TG. So, I mean, okay, in our campaign right now, we have we have three aspiring Jedi. Well, two, two, two Jedi and one aspiring Jedi. And, I mean, I think I think we would all agree that Kat's character is probably the the... The quintessential Jedi. <laughs> See, that's what I was looking for. Is the response? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so how? How? Look at look at how she plays her. If anyone ever wanted to say, okay, this is how you play a, play a Jedi in a game from a role playing perspective, a yeah. and true Jedi, I would I would she have I would have. Yeah, so, that's exactly how it should be done, and there, it's annoying. There, there have been times, as I'm saying, there have been times in our game. Where you guys have wanted to do something, and she's been like, "No, you will not. I will not. I will stop you. I will not let that happen." And it's we even had one in this past one where she wouldn't. She she, she was told if she turned her back on that one prisoner that he was going to be gone, and she tied him up and walked away. And as soon as she turned around, was it? I guess Jake shot the guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and he said he just lifted his shoulders and said, "I told you, it's like, your fault. He's dead." <laughs> It's like, don't you? Because he said, don't turn your back on him. It's like, yeah. you're not going to kill him. Yeah, I am. Don't turn your back on him. I'm going to kill him when you turn your back on him. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And so she, tie <laughs> so she tied him up, making him helpless, and so he just shot him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that was greatness. Yeah. So okay, these are some of the issues you can have with, with an all-Jedi party. Let's, let's kind of move and kind of well, bring... I think what? there's one other issue that you could have. Go ahead. With um, skill challenges, as much as I don't oh. really, I'm not really a big advocate of them. They seem to be something that a lot of people are using uh -huh. in in their games, and I think it would be more difficult for a group of Jedi to be able to handle a skill challenge. Traditional, yeah. normal skill challenges. The yeah. GM would have. I mean, if they wanted to, they can make the skill challenge specific for Jedi. And have them using their use the force chains and everything. To. Yeah. Would you but imagine then GM? It's like, uh... Then the GM's just catering to their players. Why not give them something that's 
creative, but I don't know if the Jedi would be able to handle it. That's, you know, that's that one little weird that's thing. I don't know. GMP, you know? Yeah. Would, would you imagine a party of all Jedi trying to take, uh, trying to take Brev's dance off? <laughs> yes. Endurance, acrobatics. It would be, it would be, it would be fun, but okay. And uh, to talk about this, now this harkens back to Sean's earlier point about the, you know, that Jedi, the fact that, you know, Jedi are, aren't going to be as skilled, but a lot of things though, if you have a party of Jedi, they can take, ta- if they go the consular route, route, they can take talents that can help overcome that and fulfill that consular role. But so, so you have some of that, but dude, listen, I, okay, I have run Brev's infamous dance-off skill challenge so many times um, because he, he, let, he gave me permission to write it into my Secret of the Corellian Kitehawk module, which I run the heck out of it at a couple cons now. Um, and I've seen Jedi take this challenge. And it's interesting, but to your point, TG, I think you, the GM does have to cater things slightly and make it fun. Like, okay, when the Jedi were... We, I had two Jedi in that game, the brother and sister, that entered the contest together, which was kind of creepy in its own way. But anyway... Um, I called for a jump check in one of them, and the the player looks at me and says, "Can I use surge? I have surge. Can I use it?" And I thought to myself, "Why not?" Well, yeah, absolutely. And he did he got like a forty five on the jump check, and I was like, "Well, you <laughs> you do a triple axle pirouette through the air and backflip <laughs> and land land in the splits, and the crowd goes wild." And that's and, funny, you know. And and it, it went off without a hitch. But to your point, yeah. Jedi, generally speaking, are limited in terms of what they can do skill-wise. And I think that kind of leads into kind of the last part of this discussion. We're talking about tips for the GM. How, okay, so, so you're GMing an all-Jedi campaign. What advice is going to help you the most? What things you need to look out for? And how can you balance out some of the overwhelmingly good aspects and sort of curtail some of the overwhelming pitfalls of an all-Jedi party? Um, now, to, to what you were you were just saying, TJ, uh, skills, you know, persuasion, deception, stealth, big skills in the game, not available to a Jedi. Some can be overcome with talents, but I, I guess the question I, I have for all of you is the line between keeping it fun for the party and... Keeping it real. Keeping it real. <laughs> Making it a challenging game versus a not fun game. Where where is the line drawn? And as as a as a GM, where should you draw the line in terms of penalizing your players for choosing to play all Jedi because it was a choice they made, and rewarding them for it? I mean, Patrick, are are you on the line with us? We'll take that as a no. I'll I'll take that as a no, Sean. I mean, have you had situations where Bug has has laid it down for you guys where you felt he? You know, that man, this sucks, and he he just kind of laid it out for you. And well, we're Jedi, and this would be different if we had a scoundrel in the party, um, or a mechanic, or a... uh, well, we actually what that's kind of cool is we actually started to take uh, those roles for ourselves. Um, I'm the, I got I'm before we got the medical droid, uh, I was all about first aid. Uh, Miss Ruffles was uh, computer use, um, so we started to kind of take it back i guess <laughs> ourselves but uh, gotcha. uh yeah it still is uh, you know pretty limiting on what we can do uh properly and really good you know we're not going to waste a a feat to get a, you know, a skill focus you know to put into something that uh you know for something we we're hardly ever going to use and uh, uh bug has been pretty good at uh 
creating the, the scenarios we go through um, around us. Uh, he hasn't really done that yet where we're kind of sitting there and, you know, have a dead end, you know, thrown at us. So, Right. Well, good. That's excellent. And that's, that's kind of where the line needs to be. Um, but, yeah, it's also, uh, you know, this is still Star Wars. You know, you, 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 you want to have a memorable, you know, iconic, uh, you know, experience when you play this. So you kind of, you, you know, like what TG said, you know, you want to keep it, you know, as a balance between having fun and keeping it real. Yeah. You know, it's, you can, uh, you, you got to have that balance. I think I can't, I can't see you just, you know, going all willy nilly and, you know, doing min maxing and just, just tearing through stuff. You know, you still got to have your boundaries, got to have your, your, your fluff, your story. Uh, and I think the players will enjoy it better for that. I agree. Dave, TG, Patrick, thoughts on the matter? I draw the line as to whether or not the group's having fun. Amen. You know, I mean, that's it's pretty easy to tell. I think if if you if you can read people at all, it's pretty good, pretty easy to tell if they're having fun, if they're not having fun, if you're doing a good job as a GM, and or if you're not. And that being said. I am a big proponent of of penalizing a group if they make stupid choices. You guys know this. Yes. But, mm-hmm. you know, not to the point of a TPK or anything like that, but just making things a little bit harder than they need to be. I I would agree. You know, I mean, that's that's <coughs> where it begins and ends. For me, it would be a GM or a player. If I'm not having any fun in the game, then I'm not going to play. If uh-huh. if I'm not having any fun GMing, then why should I GM? And if my players aren't having fun, I'm doing a bad job as a GM. So, if you're not having fun GMing, your players are not going to have fun playing. Right. That's that's, it. that's the bottom line. Yeah, you don't want to be adversarial about it or anything like that either. So, now Patrick, but- are you, are you on? Okay, Cause no. he's he's becoming to go. I have a question I wanted to ask him, but that's okay. What were you going to say, TG? Well, I was saying. There's a fine line that a GM has to ride on that is probably really scary for them. And as far as how do you make it fun for them? Well, you want to cater to, you want to allow them to use the feats that they've invested so much time into, allow them to use their character for what they built their character for. But you also want to challenge them to use their characters in ways that they didn't think of using them. So yes. you've got to provide them not just with opportunities to use what they have, but to use it in new ways. So you give them challenges like ranged combat if they're all melee guys, if they're all, you know, lightsaber wielders. Well, don't one of y'all have force slam or, you know, get them to, to come up with something or move object because then they can move object and throw it into these guys who are ranged or, or move one of them up to where the range guys are exactly figure out a way to to yeah. use it but it's still a challenging encounter they just have to think about it differently than what they're used to thinking about and i think that would make it fun for everybody mm. yeah and you you bring up a point one of the in terms of the games i've watched and a lot of the the emails and things we get from people and other questions one of the more imbalancing factors that we continually see with an all jedi campaign is the melee monster syndrome that 
the fact of the matter is Jedi can be, when they're played right, some of the most devastating melee combatants in the game. And if you have a group of people that are hack and slashers and that's how they like to play, then they're going to demolish nearly anything you throw at them. Um, Unless it's ranged. uh, Well, there you go. So how do you deal with it? Well, range combat, number one. Um, never make a ranged combatant inaccessible, <laughs> but make it make it make it where it's, it's not easy to get to them, or they have to spend some time to do it. Um, the other thing I'd recommend is the again back to the list on episode thirty-seven: the rule of six. Keep your set, keep your threats six squares apart at least. That way, your Jedi can't make use of multiple attacks in the same round against multiple foes. Right. And lastly, to belabor all of your points, non-combat encounters. Yeah, there you um, go. And I, I wish Patrick was on the line because I wanted to ask him about how he handled the the non combat encounters, where you know they're really not getting into combat at all for the first few sessions of the game, and then they're finally getting into where they can fight. Um, uh, but Sean, seriously, I, I mean, do you guys have do you guys have mostly combative encounters, or do you guys have any? I mean, you said you're branching out skill wise. Do you have any tech encounters, any social encounters? How often does your party face that? Um, I would say it's probably fifty fifty. Go oh, good. Uh, there was, there was some times where we almost like n- would never go through a combat situation, depending on where we are or what we're dealing with. Uh, and since you know they got me, I can I can sometimes get us out of that situation with a little mind trick or whatever. God, I'm assuming you're playing the consular character. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, well, what do you guys think about balancing force use? What's what's of course the easy way to balance uh, extreme overuse of force? Uh, limit the abilities of the party. P. No. Oh, no, wrong. That's right. Sorry. P-S-P. Yeah, there There's, you go. Uh, like certain uh, any, uh, people that you fight against uh, might be immune to certain uh, powers or something Oh, like that. see? Yeah. Hey, there you uh, go. Uh, Not just no, the no, this, this Mando, see, despite go, what Karen Travis tries to make you believe, Mandalorians are not immune to everything. <laughs> uh, so... But no, no, that, that's that's good. You throw you throw a Salamiri in there, or like a Vorinsker, or a, a Torrent deck, or something like that. Seriously, that'll make a force user pee their pants. But even then, like TG was saying earlier, DSPs, DSPs, DSPs. I, I think a party that sins together sins more egregiously. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cortosis. I will. Uh, so so there you go. Um, and the last thing I really wanted to mention in terms of tips for the GM, and again, I, I'm upset that Patrick has lost his connection because um, I would very much like to, to get his opinion on this because I know he's got um, a Jedi Master or two in his game that are working with the party. But I think having an all-Jedi campaign is one of the few legitimate times that you can throw a babysitter into the game in the, in the form of a Jedi Master. Because if everyone's a Jedi... You can throw a Jedi Master in there, and all of a sudden, from a character standpoint, it's yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, oh, no, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, you don't have a scoundrel sitting in the back going, why am I listening to this jackass? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> that, that sounds so familiar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and even it, it doesn't even one. have to be – it doesn't even have to be a GM um, that puts one in there. The characters, as a group of Jedi, can decide – you know, we're lacking somebody who's really good with computers or really good with mechanics or something along those lines. Really, you know, maybe we need a noble to come with us or maybe that's part of the storyline. You send a noble with them because you've got to protect the noble or they've got vital information, blah, 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 whatever. But the, the players themselves can make the decision to have 
a babysitter come along with them because they want that little extra bit of help as an NPC. Makes sense? Yeah, sure, you could do that. Yeah, it worked for us when we first started um, until we became, uh, you know, Jedis, full-fledged Jedis, you know, and then everything lawless, went to hell. Lawless <laughs> Jedis you are. Isn't that a bummer? Aw, sad panda. Gets me every time. Yeah. It's There's a little tear. Tiny tear. I just got a message from Patrick Stutzman. He's frustrated. He says, every time I try to speak, I lose my connection. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. uh, well, still, for the conversations we had, it was greatly enjoyed. And uh, Sean. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And Sean, thank you for coming on and sharing all of your experiences. Greatly appreciate it. No problem. That's it's, right. Uh, it's fun. Uh, hey, uh, and so uh, those of uh, those of you in the Gamer Nation that would like to uh, hear Sean's great work on the Brew City Gamers, where can they find you? Uh, on iTunes, you can uh, find <laughs> us on there. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> thank you. That's how we you. do it. Uh, we have our, uh, you know, we have our forums on uh, the D20 forums. Uh, we also have our blog page. Uh, we post a lot of stuff. Uh, BrewCityGamers.com. Yeah, so yeah, we're we're a general gaming podcast. We talk about anything and everything. So, uh, a little bit for everybody. Awesome, indeed. See so y'all. Check out Bruce City Gamers. Thank you again, Sean, for being part of the show. It was awesome having you on. Thank you, Patrick, for coming on, and Michelle. Yes, even though what little we were on. Oh, oh wow. he's back! Look at that. And the children. And yeah, the children. right at the end. <laughs> We'll wrap the show, and there he is to talk for like seven seconds. <laughs> of course, by the time by the time I finish saying this, you'll be gone again. So that's, that's seven seconds. Yeah. Though. So your new ISP should be your old ISP. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yes. Well, thank you both for joining us, and I, I know we're going to move into a post show here in a sec, um, but. Uh, in any event, I just wanted to, to, to thank all of you Gamer Nation who came on and listened to the show. Thank you, of course, to my co-hosts, GM Dave and TG. And um, if you guys want to email us, please do. If you have questions for next week's podcast or any future week's podcast, email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, or call us. Where, where might they call? There you go, 206-600-5872 or LUSA LUSA. Fantastic. And we're done with that. Get on the interwebs and go to d20radio.com slash forum. Sign up, become a member of the Gamer Nation, and speak your mind. And with that, this is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice rolling. May they be full of the force. Oh, she speaks. The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. Okay, nice family hunter turnout today. Let's see, we've got robot guy, old-timey deep-sea diver-looking guy, lizard guy, who I think I saw get in a fight with Captain Kirk. Both are fans, of course, thanks for coming, and what are you supposed to be? This is Staker, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Get the fuck out of my belly, hunter meeting. This is Rob Gates, a.k.a. Hardkill on the forums, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because I'm too busy drawing pictures of TG. Hotcha. 
Hello, this is She38 on the forums, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Except for now. And now. And now. And now. Wait. Okay, yeah, now. And now. And now. And now. This is Alex Van D, and that was my daughter Amarin. Maybe someday she will listen. At least I can hope and dream. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all names, pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast.